Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, throw it again. And you know, we continue to talk about how we need to see that guy with that dog in him. AJ Terrell has notified or identified rather that guy. And last but not least, and for the culture, we talk with a good person about a good cause. That's all coming up next right here on ATL Day Ones. Let's get it. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and wherever you download your podcast. Make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day One's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, T, ever since Max Free and Kyle Wright went on the 60-day DL, we've been trying to rack our brains as to who's going to fill in the role for those guys and not even try to produce from that standpoint, just guys who can be able to get in and eat up innings. And I think that we found that guy. And I think Bryce Elder is that guy because we think about from the beginning of the season, he did not make the opening day roster. And he once Max Free went down, he was called up. And I think you can kind of label this guy as Mr. Consistency. And I think that one of the reasons why he hasn't been getting his flowers like he should have is because, like, he's not necessarily the guy that you're going to see the 98, 99-mile-per-hour fastball. He's not super young, two years removed from high school and, and being called up to the majors and everybody's buzzing about him. But he just goes in there and just gets it done, and it's going to be guaranteed almost to be six innings at least. <laughs> yes, and that's the piece that in all of it may be the most important part because that's a part of consistency as well. Brian Snicker has said if he can just get five but really six innings out of his starters, that is gangster because then your bullpen gets to do what it does and night in, night out, right? It doesn't have to feel like it's exhausted, like it's overused, like it's playing each individual member of the roads of the bullpen is playing out of position, right? right? So when you get someone like Bryce Elder, especially last night, because it's not always about this perfect outing, right? Where you right. go six innings of no run ball or four hit ball or 12 or 13 strikeouts. Like you said, he might not be that guy, but what he is is a guy who, even when he gives up multi home, multiple, like multi run home runs, right. Mm -hmm. In an inning, he did it twice in the inning. Only the second time that he's done that this season. Right. And he's only given up solo home runs like four times. Right. So that's a, or first time, I apologize. First time this season he's done that. That's amazing to then see. That with just a little bit of a conversation with Rick Kranitz, he was able to settle himself down and then retire 10 straight batters. Those are the types of things you want to hear because that's the kind of resilience. And yes, I'm going to say it, Jarvis. That's the kind of resilience that when you get into the postseason, the Braves are going to need that kind of guy in case he gets into a clusterfuffle because we know what has happened the last couple of times out. Max, uh, Unfortunately, Michael Soroka be an example right, exactly. where you get to, you know, that that two out point and you're like, you can shut it down and then you don't close it to see that Bryce Elder is showing you what we've seen in, uh, of course, Kyle Wright, Max Reed before they went down to IL. What we're still seeing 
in Spencer Strider and low key when Charlie Morton gets to run sport he needs. But when, he, Unk is, when he's on, exactly when he's on and he gets what he needs out of the run support, which yeah. thank goodness Bryce Elder got that last night, then you can get what it is that you're seeing out of Bryce Elder. There is a reason that maybe after last night he's probably gone down a little bit, but there is a reason that he came into the game as the ERA leader. And that is because the other word I want to use for him, for him, Jarvis, is not just consistency, but efficiency as well. Yeah, that and that's what that's all you can ask for, especially in a time where you're kind of scrambling, trying to figure out some guys that you at least want to get that fourth rota- fourth guy in that rotation to say, you know, we can at least almost count on him. You know what I mean? As long as we get the run support like they did last night, big time sixth inning, Marcelo Zuna getting the party started, and then him being driven in and the scoring a run as well to take the lead. So I think it was just some really good stuff going on, and also a little pettiness, T, like. I don't know if you noticed, but, uh, you know, Peter Alonzo was out here talking a little junk. I want you to kind of see if you can decipher what this man was, was oh, kind of trying to speak on a little bit. <laughs> Play it again for the people, just in case they were wondering. For all my people in the back there who didn't hear it. Oh, you, oh, you want Bryce Elder to throw it again? <laughs> yeah, because so. please understand. <laughs> Yeah, his slider kind of slipped on him, okay? Yeah, it did, Got yeah. one, two yeah, he mentioned the switch, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And maybe you get him. And in the case of Pete Alonso, he actually went down to get that ball. Okay, fine. It happens. But what happened after that, Pete Alonso? What, what you saying now? Because when the South has something to say, like Bryce Elder has something to say, and the Braves bats have something to say, you just remember that you're the team that's in third place. You're the team that's now six and a half games back in the NL East, not the Braves. And don't get me wrong. It could turn on a dime tonight. We know that. But I still believe that what the Braves showed last night, Jarvis, was that perfect storm of who they can be. Right. Our pitcher comes out smoking. He strikes out the side in the second inning, and then he gets himself into trouble, but he bails himself out. Our bats are quiet other than an Ozzy Albee solo home run, and then our bats wake up. Our defense has been shaky, shaky, leaky, leaky for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Just not last night. So just in case anyone was kind of wondering up in Queens, who still owns this, it's still the Braves. Absolutely. We own you. That's why Chipper Jones' son is named Shay. Because, hey, he has some good times and some good memories up in New York. So, yeah, we want to definitely want to continue that as the Braves continue with the series against the New York Mets. And, like, let's, let's crush the Mets. Locked on Sports Atlanta. To predict this doggone thing, crush the Mets or F the Mets, as uh, uh, Mr. John Chuckery was saying. Right. You gotta hear the song, people. Go to his Twitter sidebar. Please. At JFCH316. He is tripping about that. That video. (laughs) Go see that video now. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, T, also got some good news this week. The College Football Hall of Fame, they have announced the nominees, 78 to be exact. And guess what? There are three of them that are just my absolute favorite and when I think and I gotta name my guy first gotta go with Mr. Michael Vick Randy Moss and Larry Fitzgerald are the three that really really headline this class and when you think about I take I go back to that 2000 Sugar Bowl tee when Michael Vick basically almost beat Florida State by his doggone self <laughs> and so they kind of flamed out in the fourth quarter but yeah that was an absolute video game type of of situation yeah and that and that that's the game right there that got Falcons fans 
uber excited when they traded up to for to the with the San Diego Chargers to get the number one overall pick. Everybody was on board and exactly knew exactly who they were going to get at that point. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, Jarvis. And and Jarvis he didn't disappoint. I mean, right. he literally remained looking like a video game until he wasn't. And yes. it really, like you said, it just all started. It started a wave because yeah. I feel like. You know, you had waves of, right? And so you'll mm-hmm. go back to like a, a James Shaq Harris, if you will. You'll go back to a Doug Williams. Then maybe that next level, you'll go back to what Randall Cunningham did and Warren Moon. But particularly Randall Cunningham. To me, Michael Vick was like next next Randall. You know what I'm saying? Like he mm-hmm. was that second yeah. coming and then just did it with so much flair and so much sass. And now we're looking at the fact that if your quarterback doesn't have overtones of two-way play, if he's not a dual threat, why are we talking? Yep. Why are we talking? That's because of yes. Michael Vick. And, yeah, we know that his arm strength, his accuracy and all may not have been what it needed to be in the beginning, but he improved. And I, I suspect, of course, if things wouldn't have happened as they did, he would have gotten better in that space as well. But, yeah, I feel like he is the ultimate forerunner to the beautiful, fun, edgy way that we see the game played under center today. Absolutely. And it's all because, like you said, it started in that game because, listen – as a as a native of New Orleans, like when you say Sugar Bowl and Michael Vick, I mean people still get like, yeah, that was, it was, it was yeah, crazy. that was absolutely crazy. And I I gotta mention my guy too before we get out of here, Randy Moss. Uh, <laughs> like to see how he was in draft night and how teams was just passing him up, passing him up, passing him up. And when he went to the Minnesota Vikings, and then you saw all of those. Those uh those 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 uh, uh national games nationally televised games on that on that schedule and that Monday night game, yeah. oh my goodness! You talking about a coming out party? Tea? And I was just I know a lot of people was just looking back at it like God dog, how did he draft this dude? Right. What were we tripping did you about? Not for see it? him play. <laughs> did, did, did you miss him in college? Well, obviously the College Football Hall of Fame yes. did not, and, and yes. I do believe that he'll be inducted, and and that should be amazing because yeah, he's another one. He is an abs- He's another one who changed the game at that position of wide receiver. That, like you said, started off in in college and and worked his way up. Was was he a Marshall? At Marshall, yeah, Marshall. Marshall yes. 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 So yeah, because he put he put Marshall on the map. There's no other reason for him to be at a college like Marshall exactly. because you know he had little issues and yeah, everything. We, but, some challenges, but yes. but shout out to him for then coming into the league and having a quiet life off the field and an amazing career on it. Absolutely. We got to give them his, his flowers as well. So, yeah, definitely expect those guys to slide on up in that college football hall of fame for sure. Now, but coming up next, speaking of good times and, and you know, dogs, how about this? AJ Terrell, he's speaking on some things now. He's starting to talk up a little bit. We'll discuss that next. But first, we got to tell you about why this episode is brought to you by a fan doula sports book because it is the number one sports book in America. Guess what? You guys have been watching NBA finals. They're finally back. They're finally back. They, they didn't go away for a little while. The finals are back here. You know, it's going down tonight, the nuggets against the heat. So yeah, we're going to see what's going down once they head down to South beach and play in Miami. So if you want to win a little change, how about this? You can play the over unders, you can play, 
you know, uh, the leading score, who's going to score the most points, who's going to hit the most threes. They got all of that right there for you at fanduel.com slash locked on. It's safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. So, and guess what? You don't even have to wait around for your money. You know how when you bet your homeboys and you hit, hit that phone call, hit that line after the uh, game is over and they don't respond and, and you're trying to see if they, they read it or not and all that stuff. You got to do all that. I promise you. You just go to fanduel.com slash locked on. And take advantage of the no sweat first bet up to $2,500 if your first bet doesn't win. So that's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I had to put my glasses on, Jarvis, because I almost needed to see. I needed to make sure that I was seeing. What I was really seeing, because you and I, there's one guy, and not that we don't have others that we root for, but uh, there are some guys where you see them show you different facets of their game, and it makes you just want to root for them more, and that guy is Avery Williams. Avery Williams is someone who came in, and wherever the Falcons put him, wherever he was needed, he definitely gave something to the Falcons. I know we talked about what he gave to the run game at certain points in time last season, what he gave to the return game, and also being lined up as a receiver for that matter. So unfortunately we get the news out of flowery that he is done with an ACL tear uh, to his knee. He will likely have a procedure tomorrow. There's a possibility that he'll come back this season. We know we've seen people bounce back faster, but yeah, Jarvis, that one was kind of a bummer because he's really a guy who embodies the, the Arthur Smith philo- philosophy of versatility. Absolutely. And, and it's truly unfortunate because like you had a guy coming in, came in as a cornerback and a special teams guy more so, you know, um, came onto this team and was drafted to be a special teams guy, yes. be the returner. And then, you know, knowing coming into the last year, you knowing that, hey, Cordell Patterson was going to be sprinkled in there from time to time. You never heard a word. You never heard him complain. They moved him to running back. You never heard him complain. And then that's like – it just speaks to the type of guy he is. Indeed. And I think that, you know, I'm not, I'm not concerned about him getting through this as well because, like you said, like he was your punt returner. He was solid, and he when he was out there with the kickoff return, he was solid as well. So I, I wholeheartedly believe that he'll make a, a good comeback. But like you said, it, it just truly sucks because that he has to deal with it, especially that guy. Like, why don't this happen to bad dudes? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, of course yeah. the Packers don't have that many, if any, bad right. guys on their roster. But a good guy like this, a really good guy, a guy who comes in and just goes to work and don't ask for anything. That's a, those are the type of guys that you root for, like like you mentioned, and, and it just truly sucks that he has to deal with it. Indeed, indeed. So we wish him well, and hopefully we'll bring you guys some news later on in the season that tells us that he indeed can return for this 2023 campaign for the Falcons. Now, a guy who is returning, who has a little bit of an injury hiccup last year, but is back and ready to rock and roll on one is A.J. Terrell. But here's the interesting thing. A.J. Terrell wanted to have some conversation about another guy that he thought was really the one who is ready to really take over and take that next step in his career. Going into this year, for sure, you could see a lot of confidence, him being a lot more vocal, him taking charge of the offense and him wanting the throne to the starting job. Us as a defense, giving him some tough windows and throw through, and he's been doing that well. I like where he at right now. He's going to continue to get better as well as us. Indeed. And we saw some of that throughout our viewing the practices at Flowery Branch recently, also open practice at the bench, just how much the Falcons are actually adding to Desmond Ritter's playbook, if you will, and kind of stacking the deck for him. So when A.J. Terrell, who has been, I think, in 
one of the more recent, maybe it was Pro Football Network, one of their mo more recent kind of players to watch, if you will. He was one of the tops. For him to then say that about QB1, who hasn't taken anything other than reps in four games last year, Jarvis, that confidence. We just keep hearing that from every side of the ball. We hear it from the sidelines with the coaching staff. Sounds like every side of this Falcons franchise is kind of on the Ritter train. You know what? And, and that, that means a lot because you think about, you know, what Desmond Ritter had to go through last year. You know, we take you take you back to you know when he was coming in and rookie minis and, and everything like that. He, that's all you heard him talking about, him coming in to compete for a starting spot. And then yes. we just saw that conversation start to change a little bit as the season it got closer to the season, and we know yep. why. We don't need to go into that, but and so obviously your mindset has to change when it, yes. when those things like that happen. So you have to understand that hey. More than likely, I'm not going to play unless something crazy happens. And something crazy did happen. And he ended up having to play him because Mariota just sucked. That's, so, that's, that's the crazy part. That happens, right? You know, people come in with expectations. They don't live up to them. And, and then in the NFL, you're going to get replaced. And that's what happened for Desmond Ritter. So, yeah, it's cool to see him try to come in here with coming to this season with a different mindset. And you could just see the – how he carries himself. He carries himself a little bit differently. Like, like being out there and watching him at practice, there was one situation where he was talking to, I think it was either Troy Anderson or Caden Ellis, and he was just like, yeah, yeah, y'all better get y'all stuff together today, you know, before they start to the drill. And it's just like, and little things like that, those things matter, right? Because, first of all, you have to be able to have some type of gumption to be able to talk trash to the opposing defense. And you have to have confidence to know that, hey, you got to be able to back it up as well. So, and then also, you got to have respect of your teammate to be able to talk trash to you. So, yeah. have, hearing AJ Terrell saying what he said, I'm not surprised at all, to you. Yeah, and that's a great point as well because when you think about comment that came, I think it was about two weeks ago, right, where mm -hmm. he was giving Bijan Robinson some guidance on an error that he made to help him to course correct and course correct quickly. Now, right. yes. Bijan Robinson is a rookie, but Bijan Robinson has also established himself as that guy. So to be comfortable enough and confident enough within yourself to see the teachable moment and then actually translate it into something, I think that's powerful. And again, like you said, he's not afraid to step it up and just talk a little trash. And yeah. so we talk about having that dog in you all the time, right? And that's mm -hmm. the kind of dog you want to see a little bit of that edge. You want to see a little bit of that trash. Also saw him at the bench just kind of walking around. And like you said, may not be able to put a tangible, like a word on it, but there was just something that was a little bit different about what I saw in him this past season and uh, or this past week. And speaking of just seeing things differently, Jeff Okuda, that's somebody that Jerry Gray is wanting to see the difference, but the same different from what we saw in Detroit, but same of what he saw at Ohio state. And he really feels like he's a guy that can help Jeff Okuda get back there because like Jerry Gray said, I didn't coach him in Detroit, no offense, Detroit, but Hey, let me get my hands on him and let me see if we can help him get that Okuda mindset back. Can Gray do what he wants to do and help him get that mindset back after I spoke with him? Heck, I feel like he's already there. Yeah. Like, that, I love the confidence that yes. this staff and this regime has, right? Because even though I haven't agreed with everything that they've done, the fact that they know and have the confidence within themselves through actions and words, you know, that just that just makes my heart happy because I love – like, you can't play football, you know, meek and humble. Like, that yep. doesn't – it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Like, you have to have confidence. You have to have a 
a, a higher, uh, um, I was having a conversation with Ali Brunson, our lead producer for Locked On Content. She was talking to one of the guys and saying, hey, like, you have to be 120% of yourself. Like, you know, you can, like, you can give you 100%, you know, just from an effort standpoint and all that stuff, but way you carry yourself, how you play the game, and what you bring to the table, you have to be more than what you are. You know what I mean? Yes. At least from a mindset standpoint. And that's what you got. That's what Jerry Gray is. Like, just based off of what you just said. Like, he's like, yeah, let me get my hands on. Let me work with him. I know because the talent is there. Like, anybody who's arguing that he's not talented is ridiculous. Because, like, the dude went, what, number two overall? Or number three overall in 2020, same draft as AJ Terrell. Yeah. Now, so there's something there. So all he had to do is be able to unlock that bad boy. If Jerry Grace is able to unlock Jeff Akutati, this defense is going to take a couple steps more than what we expected as far as the expectation going into the season. And pairing it up with this offense, who I know for a fact – they're going to score some more points this year than they did last year. And this is going to be something that, that is brewing that might get real ugly for opposing offenses. Yeah, and and again, we like Gray because Gray, he's been a primarily a D-backs coach in the NFL. He's the assistant head coach on defense for the Falcons. And, of course, from his time with uh, Arthur Smith, working together in D.C., working together in Tennessee. There's a lot there that they believe in one another and what their approach is going to be. But ultimately speaking, also Gray's experience in the league itself, is, I believe, is going to prove powerful for both of those guys. But what are your thoughts? Mm. What are your thoughts, guys, on this? Everydayers, let us know what you think about Desmond Ritter and whether or not he is really showing and ready to show that he's that guy. What do you think about the defense and how much of an impact it can be for what I like to call having Jerry Gray the DB Whisperer, right there in Flowery Branch for those guys. Anyway, check us out on YouTube. As always, leave your comments, and we will respond. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure you download ATL Day Ones, too. But, T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down on the show. Today is no different. We have a very, as you can see, and if you're listening on audio, we have a very, very, very special guest on our show today, Mr. Mel, man, he is a 28-year cancer survivor. Also, if you guys didn't know, we're going to be talking about it over the next few days. Tanisha Batiste is a LLS um, visionary. So she is raising money for a super, super great cause. And I think that you guys need to definitely get some information. I'm going to put the information down in the description in the, on, this, on this channel and on the uh, audio feed as well. So make sure you guys check that out because a lot of good information there right just for you. But Mel... First of all, I just want to say welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So happy for you to join us today. As Jarvis said, wrapping up the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Visionary Campaign, which is about raising money and raising awareness to cancel cancer, particularly blood cancers, leukemia, lymphoma, myeloma, and Hodgkin's disease. And of course, you, Mel, are a 28 year survivor, U.S. Army retired major, Mel Man, that is. So, yes. Mel, tell us just briefly a little bit about your journey, how you got the diagnosis, how you found out about it, and kind of what you did when you decided, hey, I am going to fight this battle and I'm going to win. Okay, sure. So I was a, a major stationed up in Michigan in the Detroit area, and uh, I was living with uh, you know my wife, my five-year-old daughter, and I went to the doctor, and the doctor told me I had something called chronic myeloid leukemia. Mm -hmm. And the prognosis was three years to live. 
And uh, of course, that was a shock, uh, being that my daughter was five years old. So um, and he said the only cure was a bone marrow transplant. And that was 1995. And the, the year 1994, there were only 20 Blacks out of 2,000 who were able to find a, a matching donor if they could not find one within their family. And I was unable to find one within my family. So I had to uh, start uh, doing bone marrow drives, uh, which I did a whole bunch. I, I did them in churches. I did them in malls, fraternities, uh, um, you know, all over the, the army, different, flew around the different bases and, and did bone marrow drives. And, uh, you know, had thousands and thousands of people join, but uh, I could not find one. And, um, um about a year after I was diagnosed, I had retired medically from the military and moved down here to Atlanta because my wife is from Phoenix City, Columbus, Georgia area. Yes, right. and, uh, I kept doing the drives and um, my, my wife's aunt put on a drive in, um, in Columbus. Uh, and uh, this uh, gentleman came to the drive uh, who did not look like me and he was looking for me. And um, I was traveling down, he missed me, but he came back and he said he had hairy cell leukemia. And uh, he had uh, traveled out to uh, a medical center in, in Texas and uh, tried experimental medicine. And he recommended that I, I do the same thing. And, uh, you know, he commended the life-saving efforts of the, the marrow drives, but he also recommended that I travel out to uh, Texas, and which I did, and that was well, actually that was the first time I heard of clinical trials. It was, it was brought up to me, mm -hmm. and I traveled out there. The doctor put me on clinical trial after clinical trial, and um, uh, they will work for a little bit. But by the three-year mark, I was still pretty much in the same condition that you know, in the same, the same prognosis. So I asked the doctor if there were any more drugs, and he said, "Well, we got one drug. It's close." Uh, but they were having problems in, in the lab with the animals. And he said, if we ever get approval I will, uh, to use it in humans, I'll, you'll be the first person to use it. And this, the nurse said, we just told somebody else the same thing. He said, well, you'll be the second person. So that's what I ended up being. Uh, six months after that, he called me and I went out there. I took the drug, it worked. And 10 months after that, I ran a 26.2 mile marathon in Alaska. Uh, wow. My five-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That yeah. is absolutely amazing. Um, I think, Mel, one of the things that, you know, that doesn't get talked about in African-American um, communities, specifically males um, mm -hmm. and myself included, you know, when we don't like to go to the doctor, like I've mm -hmm. from my father, my grandfather, like I just seen generations of not wanting to go to the doctor. And can you talk about like the importance of doing that and, and starting to try, start to trying to break that generational curse, so to speak? So, hey, we need to start taking care of ourselves to be there for our families. Yeah, it's very important because with uh, uh, many illnesses, the, the sooner that you find out about your diagnosis, the sooner you, it can be treated. And Absolutely. if you wait, then instead of one drug, you may have to take two or three drugs. Right. And uh, uh, you know, you may have something that you can monitor and you can jump on, uh, but not wait until it gets out of hand, especially like cancer. You know, one cell becomes two, two becomes four. It just proliferates. And and then, you know, you, you're like, I mean, time, like, you know, 
These are the yeses, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. important in sports, but it's more important when you go. <laughs> yes, no doubt. There's a lot more on the line, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. And speaking of that, we had a question for you about sports before we wrap up, because this is still our sports entertainment and culture show. But wanted to know quickly, of course, I do work with LLS, and I know that they are all about patient advocacy, research, and public advocacy, how important is an organization like LLS in not just helping you to sustain for nearly three decades, but so many others to be able to either live, if you will, or in the cases where you know that's not possible to at least live a life of comfort, but really and truly where we are now, now Mel, how important is it for LLS to be one of those just vital parts of maintaining life and then not just surviving, but thriving? Uh, yeah, because, you know, they, they have uh, a lot of um, support uh, organization, well, parts of it, like you have, you can talk to other patients, you can get so much information on uh, blood cancer, um, you can get financial aid, uh, help with travel, uh, insurance premiums, and, and, and that type of thing. They advocate that they were part of the research effort for this drug, Gleevec, which not only helps blood cancers, it helps uh, many different cancers like uh, breast cancer, uh, stomach cancer, lung cancer. I just saw uh, uh, yesterday something was approved for brain cancer for this type of research because blood cancer leads the way of all the other types of cancers. Indeed. And, uh, this drug um, has helped over, the type of drug has helped over a million people. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. And, you know, I'll be doing some more work in that space because we do have a happy hour tonight at Vesper Atlanta. That's over on Garrett Street yes. in Glenwood Park. For those of you who want to stop by from six to eight, you can come and shake a hand and we can talk a little sports, but also talk a little bit about LLS, get you to have more knowledge and understanding of exactly what is involved in the fight and of course we'll have an auction there so we've got some really cool sports pieces that you want to check out we'll post that as well on our locked on sports atlanta site locked on sports our network overall for the, the country and of course jarvis and i will be tweeting from our accounts as well so that you don't have to worry we'll get you that information and like jarvis said he'll put it in the uh, content section for the comment section for us as well but yeah mel i can, we cannot thank you enough for stopping by and just putting a face and a name to this and letting people know that you cannot just survive, but you can actually thrive with early detection, with education, with support mechanisms like Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. In fact, I found out about you from the amazing Valerie Taylor, who yes. is also a survivor and just a huge advocate for yes. what LLS is able to do. So please, please, please listen to what Mel said. And Jarvis made a great point just about making sure men that you take oh. care of your, your, your health and wellness. And listen, as we wrap up, we have to ask you, we know that you support all the local teams, but we're going to ask you two questions. Number one, pick one of the local teams. Cause we want to ask you a question about them. And number two, we're going to ask our question. <laughs> so which team do you want to talk about? Okay. Let's go with uh, the Braves. Yeah, I was hoping we were hoping that we, yeah, we cover the Falcons. Although Jarvis is a fan because he is a native of the Atlanta metro area, yes. we cover the Hawks, we cover United, but the Braves is probably our passion point because as a Louisiana native, didn't have a pro team growing up, so the Braves are my team. And Jarvis's first love is baseball. So as you know, they smoked their nemesis last night. Comeback yes. win six to four over the Mets. We love to see it. And um, what 
What do you love about what the Braves are doing right now? And what do you think about the possibilities of them getting back to the World Series? Well, you know, I I, 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 I love, uh, I, I think they have a good chance. Um, mm. uh, you know, they've got, they've got uh, the talent uh, as far as uh, what they've been doing all season and they've been picking up. And uh, you know, I was able to go to a couple of games. I, was, I saw them when they play Baltimore. And, uh, and and they always come back, you know, which is oh, yeah. amazing too. Very and amazing. Count them out, you know? <laughs> and uh, they get stronger as the season goes on. So I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm really excited about it. And uh, I'm not sure if uh, if you went to the game last night, but you know, it's always uh, good to to leave the game when the, when they win, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting because I have not been to a Braves game yet this season because I will tell you that's the one thing. And don't don't let me um, re- forget. Jarvis will keep me honest about this, by the way. But we'll make <laughs> yes. sure that we get you over there, Mel. Uh, yeah. You and your family uh, sometime this season. So no, I never keep my tickets. I always uh, bless someone else with them. So you will definitely be blessed with some Braves tickets uh, this upcoming season. And yeah, it's always exciting over there at Truist Park because just like last night, and we'll yeah. talk about it. Uh, yeah. Of course, we'll continue to talk about it uh, as this series goes on. You can never, ever count out the comeback yeah. kids. So Mel, appreciate your time so much on behalf of the ATL Day Ones family, our everydayers. Hey, listen, what do you guys think? We bring you the amazing guests who not only drop knowledge about the Braves, but also drop knowledge about how you can keep your health intact. So come back tomorrow, you guys. I'd love to tell you about how happy I went. And of course, we want to talk about a win. Charlie Morton going up against Max Scherzer. Jarvis, you know, we're looking for a dub. That's what we're going to talk about we as well. That. And, of course, we will <laughs> download more on the Nuggets Heat game and anything else that is all things sports here in Atlanta. Don't forget, you check us out on YouTube. That's how you're seeing Mr. Mel Man in his glory. And, of course, wherever you download your podcast. So don't forget, Jarvis always tells you what to do. So tell the people what they need to do today. Make sure that you share love. Show love, and most importantly, spread a little of that financial love. Hit that page in that description point right now. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Peace. Peace.